the letter to the Romans. We don't just want to trail off here for a few weeks and miss where God wants to take us. So let's focus. Let's focus ourselves on what he says here in Romans chapter 15 and starting in verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be in service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. So I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And as we know, as Paul uh, sometimes does, he gives the amen. And then he keeps going, which is why we have chapter 16. Um, but he is making a point here, and so he gives us this pause and uh, this bit of a benediction here. And it gives us a place to sort of focus in and see um, how he's trying to bring this toward a close. He starts off by saying, this is the reason. And then you go, wait a second, what was the reason? Like, does he give the reason there? You can sort of intuit it if you've been here with us the last several weeks, but let me just show you what the reason is. Go back to verse 20. He says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That there is this promise that there is this coming, that there is this movement of God, not just to the Jews, but beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. That the promise that was given to Abraham long, long ago to bless the world, now that Christ has come, that blessing does come to the world. If you see, if you, if you read in the book of Acts, uh, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that regularly as we try to think about how we live as a church. The, the, the epistles are where a lot of Christians will, will stay, the letters of Paul, you know, and we'll go to Ephesians, and we'll go to James, and we'll go to some of these things. Um, but go back to Acts, because it is this running narrative of the end of the ministry of Jesus, and then the beginning of the ministry of the apostles as they go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we often will say that the, the book of Acts really should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because it is now what the Holy Spirit goes and does in the world. But that's exactly what happens in the life of Jesus. It is the acts of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. So uh, it's not as if the Holy Spirit has come for the first time or as if we don't see him in the Old Testament and all of that. But the reason, he says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. The reason is because his ambition is to preach where Christ has not been named. He's writing a letter to a church, which means... Christ is 
named, right? That they named Christ as Savior. The gospel is already in Rome. Even though Paul didn't go and plant this particular uh, community, he didn't, he didn't launch that as a church, he is writing to them as an apostle, longing to bring the gospel to where Christ has not yet been named, meaning that the, the goal is to spread the, the gospel of Christ beyond where he is already known. And so he goes out in order to do that, and that has been a hindrance to him coming to Rome. So it's like saying, it's like saying, I really miss my family, but I have to leave. I have to be gone in order to tell people about Jesus, and that's a part of the way it works. We, we had uh, planned years ago, we had thought that God wanted us to go uh, to be missionaries overseas somewhere and uh, to, to go and to reach Muslims. This is before 9-11. Um, and so we had started to make some plans to do that. We had started to think about that. And we, I remember the, the day that I had to go and tell my parents, there's this strong possibility we are actually planning in a few years to go away. And we'll go away to a country in which we won't even be able to write you without writing in a code. If you, if you ever have received missionary letters from people in countries that they cannot name, you'll note that they write in a certain code. Matter of fact, I have uh, missionary friends who are in China, and they have to do much the same thing because their emails are all being read. <laughs> you know, it, It's not like they have um, some type of, of privacy. And so they'll often talk about the one or you know, use different lingo for God that's not using it explicitly because they'll simply just be kicked out of the country. Uh, they won't persecute him because the American government will do something about it because they're Americans. Um, but what they will do is they'll just kick him out and be like, this, they're just causing problems and make it, make it easy. So they have to write in a, in a bit of a code. And, and uh, I just remember telling my parents, this is, this is the communication that's going to be the future. Uh, as our kids get older, you're going to get you know, some information about them and some stuff, but there's gonna be, it's going to be limited. And that's a tough thing to say, but the goal was to go to some place where Christ is not named. That was what we wanted to do. That was what our goal was. And that was Paul as, as an apostle to the Gentiles. You had apostles that would go to the Jews, like Peter. But then you had Paul who would go to the Jews, but his goal was to get the gospel now out to the Gentiles. Um, and so he says, for this reason, because that's his ambition, and not just his ambition like, I've made this my ambition on my own, but because that's the calling of God. You can go in Acts and see the calling of God on Paul. Paul is going with the calling on his life. You are the apostle to the Gentiles. You're my chosen mouthpiece. And now go, which means when Paul hears about the Roman church, he's excited and he, he, he wants to visit them. You can go back to chapter one, right? You remember this way back in chapter one, if you've been around. And verse 13, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as some of the rest of the Gentiles. So he wants to go there. He feels like it's going to be a blessing to them, a blessing to the, the church at the, at the time, and also to be able to continue the evangelization of Rome as he comes and, and is able to minister there. Paul, with this goal, with this desire realizes it's an under-desire. It's, it's an under-goal, under a larger goal, which is to take the gospel where Christ has not been named. So that's the reason why he's hindered in coming 
to the Roman church. The coming to the Roman church would be a, a great thing. You can tell it'd be a great thing because he can't stop talking about it. Beginning and ending, he's, he's there. He's like, I want to be with you. He doesn't, he doesn't just want to be with them. Look at how long. I mean, this is a letter. This is a handwritten letter. As all the, obviously, they, you know, didn't have fonts and types and typewriters and computers. And, and so you've got this long letter that has been written. He's just going on and on and, and, and glorifying God through this massive gospel message that he gives in this letter to them. So he's, he loves them. He longs to bless them. And, and as much as he sees himself kind of moving in that direction, he's saying, but I've just been hindered because there's all those people who don't know. There's all those people who haven't even heard the name of Jesus. How can I come and just simply minister to you when there's all of those? So that's, that's kind of where he starts here as he's continuing through and, and, and has been talking about what his ambition is. He's explaining now why he's been hindered coming to them. But now he says, verse 23, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, so, somehow there's now the work of going and telling others there has either been hindered or he's saying it's been fulfilled. Remember, we saw that recently. Um, I think it's verse, is it 19? From Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So that I'm not here to just keep going to smaller and smaller pockets of people. I'm not here so that personally I will tell each person. The goal of Jesus is not to go and tell every person, to heal every person or to whatever. The goal of Jesus is to build up leaders. And that those leaders would go and build up more leaders. And those leaders would go build up more leaders. And there would be this mass of people who are being led by these other people. And there would be this movement of God. And if Paul tried to go do it himself, he would be failing in his calling. And so he has to train up people to go and to do these things. And, and the other apostles and other disciples are training up other people. So Paul's blessing them and, and ministering to them to this letter. But now he's got no reason to be in these particular regions. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul wants to go see some bullfighting. Right? That's got to be what it is. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Meaning, where's Paul going? Farther. Right? To where? Where Christ has not been named. You see? So, so Paul says, the good thing for you is, is you're way out there and you're on the way to another place where Christ has not been named. And, and so... His goal then is to get himself to Spain and then to be able to see them along the way. And he says, to be helped on my journey there by you. Paul's one of those guys that shows up at your house and says, here's how you're going to minister to me. You know why? Because he was a man of God with a calling to go do something the Roman church couldn't do. Calling to go do something that Really, no Christian could do other than the apostles to go and to be this, these initial people to take the gospel in a way that comes with a kind of power, a kind of witness. Because these are the, the apostles specifically, by definition, were eyewitnesses of Christ. 
Paul says he's one out of time, right? He's, he's one that's not quite the same. He didn't walk with Jesus for three years. But Jesus came and walked right into Paul's path, didn't he, when he was Saul? He walked right into him and knocked him down and blinded him. Spoke to him, told him that he was going to be this apostle to the Gentiles. So Paul goes as an eyewitness to Christ in that way. So he wants to go. He wants to be helped on his journey by them and then move on once I have enjoyed your company for a while, he says in verse 24. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. Okay, now here's where Paul just sounds like a, a crazy man. Here we go. So here's Paul's argument, okay? I'm, I've been hindered. I've been hindered in coming to you because I'm, my ambition is to go to where Christ has not been named. So I've been hindered in coming to you. I could come to you, but I've been hindered, right? And, and I have a different ambition, I have a different goal, and my work is keeping me from the joy that I would have in being with you. So I haven't been able to do that. But now, the, these reason, regions, they're kind of done or closed off or whatever, and so now I'm moving on to Spain, and I'm going to come see you along the way. And so I'm going to go to where Christ has not been named. And that gives me the opportunity to come and see you. Spend a little bit of time with you to, have, you know, and to be in your company for a while. And then you guys can help me and be sort of a missionary base by which I then take the next step towards Spain. So he sees this church as the place in which, you know, as he's sending this letter, this letter really as it gives the gospel is also Paul's way of saying, I'm coming to you, and so I want this to be our common foundation so that as I come through, you'll be able to serve me in, in, in a way that we just don't have hospitality today. Hospitality is a business now, right? You can go and actually like study what it means to be in the hospitality world, the, the world of you know whether it's at a restaurant or whether it's at a hotel or whatever. And so hospitality used to be that when you would travel, you just had to be in the good graces of someone who would let you in and, and you know, give you some food. You were always sort of prepared to help somebody, to give somebody what they needed if they were to stop by and need a place to stay. Hospitality was, it was different. It was a different world. Um, and so he needs that. For him to say, I'm coming and you're going to show me hospitality is not a way of him being selfish or being rude, as it would sound to us today. If I just said to the Melhorns, hey, guess what? I'm going to come stay at your house for, you know, six months, maybe a year. Of course, they would say yes, because it would, it would be awesome, because I would just be filing through his, you know, pressings all day. Um, albums, okay. Records. You guys remember those, right? They're plastic things with grooves on them. Sean, you wouldn't understand. Sorry. Um, sorry. So, this, this, sort of um, dependence upon them, they would see as a great opportunity. We get to now be the step before a whole other region gets opened up to the gospel. And so it's a support base. It's, it's the place in which he is going to be served by them. And while he's there, of course, he'll be serving them, as we've said before. But at present, however, he says... At present, instead, where am I going? Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem. Has Christ been named in Jerusalem? You better believe it. That's where it all starts, right? That's, that's home base. That's, that's the foundation. That's, that's the biggest church, probably, at the time. And so, Paul says, I... 
I couldn't come to you because I was going to all these places where Christ is not named. Now I'm going to go to where Christ is uber-named. Super-named. Where he is first-named. Primary-named. It almost seems contradictory, doesn't it? Like, but, but Spain needs you. Matter of fact, the truth is, we don't know whether Paul ever got to Spain. We'll talk more about that in a second. So I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. What a beautiful thing. This is where it all starts. This is, this is home base. This is where a mass of these early, these new Christians are. And there are many poor who are there. Obviously to the point that they cannot care for them in the way that they maybe want to or, or need to. And so Paul has seen that need and he's gone about and started to gather up contributions from the other places he's gone and planted churches and other churches he's been serving as they are years into their, uh, their startup. And so he is taking this contribution and bringing it to Jerusalem. And, and before you go, well, Paul, that's kind of weird. You should be going to Spain. That, isn't that your calling? You go to the Gentiles? He says, he gives the reasons, verse 27, for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, the, the Jews were first and then the Gentiles, right? We get the order. We don't just go, oh, well, we just get it now. But when, when the time, at this time where these Jews are still alive who were around when Christ was there, um, today it's a different story. We, we have a, a similar heritage. We have similar uh, writings. But now it's so many years and so many generations beyond Christ that it's not as if we still look in the same way at modern Jews as if we are somehow carried into that spiritual blessing. You remember the, the Christians in Jerusalem are Jewish converts for the most part. It is Jerusalem. Right, okay? So, the, the, the goal now is to bring this contribution, and the reason for bringing the contribution is because we have come to share in the spiritual blessings that come through this heritage, through this connection, through the, the Savior himself being a Jew. And so, because we share in the spiritual blessings, we share in that that we you know, have this great connection because of that, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. And so it's a way, it's a way of saying, we're so thankful for you, for not only for Judaism, but now through the Jerusalem church, which is the starting of the church, and then through the Jerusalem church, the rest of the churches begin, right? All the, the disciples are starting there in the Jerusalem church. They had to kind of be kicked out by persecution to go and spread the gospel beyond, go to the book of Acts again, and you'll, you'll see those things. And get guys like Philip going out, right? And, and, and these other uh, disciples. So... You, you have them going and trying to say, this is where it all started, so we're going to go back. It's like, it's like saying, we're going to all go back to the, to the mother church that helped us plant these other churches, other places, and we're going to go be a blessing to them because they have great needs. And we're all growing, and now they have so many poor there, which is a wonderful thing. That's what we want to do is be a church that doesn't have poor because we're all in you know, some country club setting, and we all have some level, some status, some stature. The church should be full of poor people. Matter of fact, Jesus came... To, to the poor, didn't he? 
He talks about being poor in spirit, but we also know it is those often in the world who are truly impoverished who need and long for something else. And, and so God often goes, and because there's something about the poor, there's something about the orphan in which God says, I will be theirs. I will be their God. I will be their father. And without getting too much deeper into that orphan adoption theology, it is just a good place for us to see that's, that's how we need to think. And so they were thinking that way. Paul was thinking that way. And they want to go bless those who have blessed the Gentiles spiritually. Now the Gentiles are going to send back material blessings in order to help the poor in Jerusalem. You can see that if you go uh, to Acts or if you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, I think, um, you're gonna, you can read some other stuff about that particular offering. But we'll just leave it there, that that offering is then coming. Paul plans on bringing that offering to them. In fact, we know that he did bring the offering. We can go read it. Um, it's in Acts uh, something or other. It's uh, around here, 20, 24, I think. Um, you can actually see where he, he basically is saying that I did bring that gift. So, Paul is taking gift to Jerusalem, and then he's going to head out from there. He's going to go through Rome. He's going to stop for a while, get a breather, get, get ready to go, bless the church there. The church is going to bless him, and then they're going to send him out onto a mission to where Christ has not been named in Spain. That's at least the plan. When, therefore, I have completed this, and when I have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. You're, you're my stepping stone to Spain, and he knows that he is going to need them for that purpose. I know that when I come to you, verse 29, that I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, like I said, we don't have a record that Paul ever made it to Spain. And the reason is, is because he took an offering to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem he was arrested. And when he was arrested, he was taken to Rome. Think about that for a second. Paul has longed to go to Rome. He's longed to bless the Roman church. He has longed to serve the Roman church. Paul says, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to you in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, it says in 29. What does the fullness of the blessing of Christ look like to you? If you were in the fullness of the blessing of Christ... Tell me what your life would look like. Here's what I'm guessing that most of us would think. You guys know it's a trick question, so you're not going to say anything. But be honest. Here's what you would think. Job, relationship, money, car, house, Xbox. <laughs> you know, you just, you just keep going. The fullness, if, if, if everything was right right now, all your dental work would be done, right? You'd, you'd finally get those extensions that you want to make your hair look more full. You know what I'm saying? When we think of what the fullness looks like, that's what we think. It's our natural inclination. Uh, I, I probably about... I don't know, two or three times a year, I just have a moment. Like I just, I don't know, usually some conversation strikes it up where I just go, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to be in that one place where I just feel like everything's right. Everything's good. You ever, you ever have that kind of moment where I just, 
I just want, it'd just be nice to not have a cold, to not have a cough, to not have a sneeze, to not have allergies, right? It'd be nice just to have a day, or, you know, a week where I wake up. I just feel good every day. I feel energized. I feel awake. I feel aware. I feel ready. Where my spouse isn't going through what she's going through. Where my kids stop getting B pluses on their homework. Oh, you know, they're just terrible. Good. I was hoping you thought I was joking. <laughs> they're all getting D's. By the way, Elijah was an alternate to spelling B, as you guys know. Yeah, he would have lost. Um, <laughs> right? Am I right, Elijah? They were spelling words that don't exist. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, they were just making it up. Glugenskliegen. You know, I was just like, okay, I know how to spell that. I mean, it's just they were just making it up, and these kids were spelling stuff. What would it look like for you to be truly in the fullness of the blessing of Christ? And this is what we need to realize, is that when we pray for my wife this morning, it would be bad of us to not go right now. We can be or, or should realize that we are in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Do you think of your life that way? Or are you waiting for that day when there's, you know, it's a, it's like heaven is it for you. Like eternity is it. It's either eternity or it's now and all the problems. And you don't have kind of a, a good theology of what those problems are for. And I look back in my past and I say, so many blessings of my past came through pain. And it was all the good times that we just kind of skipped over. Right? And you just kind of move on. We, we went back a couple weeks ago and we watched a bunch of home videos of, of our kids when they were younger and Sarah was a baby. And none of those home videos were of the times of pain. Except childbirth. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, all the home videos were kids riding bikes, singing songs, dancing around. You know, the occasional Elijah would just push somebody into the couch because he was angry that he wasn't getting enough face time in front of the video camera. Am I right? Picking on Elijah today. Um, but they were all the good times. They, they're all the times that we forget. That's why we record them. Because it's just all the good stuff. And there's a few, you know, oh, well, whatever. I can't, I just don't understand how people can go tape an hour of their choral concert of their kid. Who's going to sit through that again? <laughs> it, it, it was bad the first time, you know? Um, no, it wasn't. It was great. Uh, it was really great. Um, it's, it's always in the middle of the choral concert when the camera turns on one of my kids who are messing around over in the chairs and drawing a picture. I mean, that's the, that's the brilliance of the moment, right, when you remember that? Anyway, to, to sort of bring this back, um, it, is those, it is those good times. It's good to go back. It's good to think about those times and you, you know, your vacations and all of that. But do you really look at those times as the fullness of the blessings of Christ? Or do you, do you look at those times as just like life was fun? And if you only see those as the good times, you've got a skewed view of Christ. Go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. Go back to the Beatitudes, where Jesus takes the values of the world and flips them completely upside down. And all the things he uses to describe his blessings are the things that the world typically describes as the bad things, including persecutions, killing of someone who believes in Christ. 
So Paul, Paul, when he's writing this, is not going, well, guess what? I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be put in jail, but I'm going to use this to show how great I am because of, you know, I, I understand this is how God works. Paul fully believed he's going to go there and have that good time and have that comfort, have that ease, have that just a, you know, you know, you know that moment where you just feel like there's fellowship happening. I mean, we're really connecting. We're really talking. We're encouraging each other. Somebody's been blessed. Somebody's been... You know, you know that moment you're kind of with a, a group of Christians and something's just elevated beyond just the everyday part of life. And you feel like there's something else there. The spirit's there. And in that time, you have that blessing and Paul is or, or planning on experiencing that kind of blessing. And I'd... And you can go and see Paul's writings from prison, and you know. Paul doesn't write as if he's any less blessed. As a matter of fact, he, he writes as if this has opened up new doors. Guess what? We had a really hard time breaking into evangelizing the prison guard community. So what God does, he sends us into prisons as prisoners. As the ones who are treated like rats in a cage. And guess what we get to do while we're there? They all get to know about Jesus. What do you do when you're in the middle of whatever prison you're in? How do you treat it? How do you treat God? How do you treat Jesus? My wife has shed more tears this week than I can remember in a week for her. Um, probably on our honeymoon was the last time she shed that many tears. Because it was so awesome, like, oh, I just love you so much, Steve, you're great. And then the rest of the 19 years was not so great. But she shed a lot of tears this week. And she, as I said, she was, I, I could see her standing there just having a difficult time staying upright. And she's downstairs this morning serving your children. You can't do that unless you have some understanding of the fullness of the blessings of Christ. You can't do that. You simply look for a way out. You look for, you know what? Things are bad. This is what I do, because I'm a big baby and she's not, is when something's going wrong, let's cancel a small group. Let's do, you know, let's just, whatever. Just everybody get away and give me my space because Steve's got, got, got a hangnail, right? Everybody just watch out. This is going, you know, in a couple weeks, I should be better. We'll be back on it for right now. So Paul is anticipating this good time, but it changes and he comes to them in the middle of a bad time. But let's just finish this up and see what he says. What, what, is, he, what is he anticipating? Knowing that he ends up going to prison and the only way he visits Rome is through jail, through prison. Look at what he says, not even realizing that's coming, at least at this point. I appeal to you, this is verse 30, brothers, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. <laughs> yeah, do you know what he just asked? When we say unbelievers, we usually mean non-Christian, right? Paul's saying, would you pray for me that when I go to Jerusalem, that they wouldn't mess with me and kill me because I know that they want to. So, so pray 
Pray that when I go to Jerusalem, I don't end up in jail. This is essentially what he's asking them to pray right before he goes to Jerusalem and goes to jail. Okay, so that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that they may receive it. You ever try to give somebody a gift and they won't receive it? You just want to throw something at them? You know, I'm trying to bless you. Why can't you, why can't you receive a blessing? I saw, I saw a skit. Uh, I, I, my kids actually saw it. Anybody ever watch the show Portlandia? Most of you would just hate it. You'd hate its guts. Maybe a few of you would, would get it. But I, it, there are some, there's some really funny skits. And there's a skit in which, um, and this has happened to you, where the two cars come up to the, to the intersection at the same time. And the one's like, go ahead. And then what does the other one do? Go ahead. Oh, I just want to, what's wrong with you? You've been given the, just go and everybody goes. Now it's a battle to who is going to keep saying go ahead and one finally goes, right? So it's like, go ahead. And the one's like, go ahead. And I'm like, no, 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 you go. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's, you can go. And it's back and forth and back and forth until eventually their cars are like eking out at the same time. Because now they both decided to go, right? You've been there? And they're both, uh, 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 which one's going? And then they, they get into a wreck, you know? And so that's the way, that's the way it, it sort of ends. Um. <laughs> so, so, so Paul here, is wanting them to just receive. That's what he's asking them to pray for. Pray for that they would receive it. That it would be truly a blessing to them. There, there are times when Molly and I, we, we notice each other doing this to each other. Uh, you kind of get comfortable in, in, in marriages and start talking to each other in sort of, at least we do, in, in sort of jovial ways. And you have kind of your own language, your own way of doing things. And you stop treating each other in a blessing sort of way. And you don't notice it because you know that you love each other. But you just kind of talk to each other in ways that are not very gracious. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm probably the chief of sinners in that. And I know I am in my marriage, but I'm probably among many. Uh, and so it's, just, it's, it's one of those things where you have to learn to go, okay, I'm, I'm doing this wrong. I need to be, you know, doing this in a way where Molly receives it as a blessing. It's like instead of saying, you know, sweetheart, could, could you make me a sandwich? Because between the basketball games, I'm like, where's my sandwich? I did this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Sarah is now perking up because she knows she was a part of this. Um, where they make me the sandwich without me even asking. But I'm mad because there's no spicy mustard in the sandwich. Who doesn't put spicy mustard on a ham and cheese sandwich? What's wrong with you people? Everybody just, you're, you're fired, you know? Oh, my goodness, spicy mustard. Well, just drink it. But so, so they make it, and I'm eating the sandwich, and I was like, why does this seem so dull? And I'm like, there's no spicy mustard. So I'm in the car between basketball games trying to scarf down this sandwich, and I realize I am a jerk and a half, you know? I'm mean, just, what, a, what an idiot. And, and it's what they did to bless me without me even asking I have now basically cursed them in return. I mean, what a horrible thing to do. And so, so, and this is just, you know, this tiny tweak of an example from this passage is that Paul is actually praying that the service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And you can see that in lots of different ways. You know exactly what Paul means, that it might be enough, that it might be whatever. But I think Paul is saying, you know, that they, that they may see this. And, and guess what Jerusalem needs? 
They need to go, wow, look at what's come. Look at what, we've, look at what God has done through us. It all started here, and look at all these churches. Look at the way they've given back. I mean, it's one thing to go, oh, you know, I've blessed somebody else, but if you've, if you've blessed, let's say you discipled someone, and now they, down the road, have grown to a place of maturity where they're trying to figure out how to serve you back, and you're like, wow. Like, I, wasn't even, I wasn't aiming for that. I wasn't like, I'm hoping I bless them so much that they start giving back to me so that I eventually, you know, get rich or something. That's not what Jerusalem wanted. They're just serving. Now they got all these poor. And Paul wants them to go, wow, look at what God has done. He wants it to be received in that way. So, please pray that they won't, like, put me in jail or something. That's, you know, something like that. Probably he's thinking more in terms of, don't let them kill me. I pray that God will keep them from killing me because I feel like I have more stuff to do. And then pray they'll receive that this will be acceptable to the saints. By the way, um, when it says acceptable to the saints, what does it mean? The super holy dead people in heaven. Right? Who've at least had, what, a miracle or two that are proven, and then you've got, you know, you pray through them to, to God or whatever, and... Is that what it means by saints here? Can you even read it that way? It would be ridiculous, am I right? That's not what saints means. That's not what saints Saints is us. Saints is them. It's all the holy ones of God. All the holy ones. Of, the, if you start having this upper echelon of sainthood, you've got problems. You've got real problems. That's not how God treats us all as completely holy why? Because of Jesus. I'm so glad that all of you in one voice are all saying it at the same time. And you need to be told because you know he is holy and we have his righteousness, right? We are what? Clothed, it's imputed, it's given, it's, it's covering, it's slathered upon us. You know what it's like to go to a restaurant? Okay, get back to the spicy mustard thing again. You know what it's like to go to a restaurant and you get something and you're like, Boy, they really skimped on the, you know, whatever it is. It's the stuff that makes something good. Okay? When, remember when I used to make pizzas at Papa John's? I was a, I was a delivery guy, but sometimes they get busy and I would help slap out some dough. You know? And, um, and so I'd, be, I'd put the cheese on the pizza. i put the amount that they say to put on the pizza. And I'm like, half of it's red. It wasn't covering all the sauce. And so I'd put a little extra on to make sure it was all covered. And they were like, stop doing that. I'm like, you're telling me to make a bad pizza. I don't care what the amount says. If it's not covering all of the red, the people are going to get it and go, boy, they really skimped on the cheese. Yeah, I was like, it just seemed like an obvious thing. That's God's righteousness. The righteousness of Christ has been slathered all over us. We are completely covered. You don't go, oh, you know what? They just got a thin layer of holy. <laughs> No, we got all the holy of Jesus, right? <clears throat> so that I'll be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed, which is exactly the dictionary definition of what prison life is like. Am I right? Joy and refreshment. I mean, that's maybe where Blago is going, right? He gets to go and just play backgammon with people all day. I don't know. He gets his little rubbery jogging track. 
so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. And again, we know exactly how he gets there. Is there anything that tells us when he gets there that he's not filled with joy? Philippians, letter, the letter to the Philippian church is about what? Joy. Go through, start circling the word joy. I have a Bible in which I read through Philippians every day for a month. I told you about how I, I had that reading plan at one time in my life. And so I read, I've read Philippians every day for a month. And then in the, in the margins, I wrote a J every time I see the word joy or, you know, something, to, a, a derivative of the word joy. And, and so I'd have a J circled in the margin. And so I go back to that Bible and it's just, just everywhere, joy. Where is it written from? P to the risen. That's prison. Right? I mean, it's, it's written from jail. It's the letter about joy. It's written from prison. It's the letter about joy. Do you think that Paul was wrong when he says, when I come to you, I'll come, you know, with this and, and, and have this joy and, and then I'll be refreshed in your company? The same is true. Free or slave, you know, free or prison doesn't change what God gives us. We have to remember our identity in Christ. The fullness of the blessings of Christ come in our identity, not in our circumstances. And so if you are not having joy because of your circumstances, it's not because of your circumstances. It's because of your misunderstanding or, or, or lack of knowledge of your identity in Christ and how much God loves you. What you need in your own life is not to merely pray for your circumstances. Although, please do. If the cattle on a thousand hills are God's, when I need a burger, I should ask God. You see what I'm saying? And so we do, we pray for all of those things. Continue to pray. But let me just help you understand this. When you are lacking in something that you really feel like this is, I, I really believe this is what God wants. Scripture even talks about these are the good things that God would want me to have. Are you where you are now? Settled, nestled warmly in the fullness of the blessing of Jesus. Because you can be. Because he wants you to be. You are able to be. That's where you're supposed to be. The difference is not where God has put you. It's where you put yourself. I don't mean that you cause your own circumstantial problems in the world. I mean it's because you don't understand, don't feel, don't experience, don't enjoy the presence of God wherever you are, whenever you are. Remind yourself, remind yourself, day by day, minute by minute, God is here. I guess some of you reminded yourselves of that. You'd stop doing what you're doing. Me too, right? God is right here, right now. You don't need to wait for a prayer time to pray to God. You should be praying all day long. Pray without ceasing, Paul says. Because he is here. He's here with us right now. Some of you are going, you know what? I've got a plan to try to do something. And you could do it right now. You could do it right now. You could do it with someone in this room. You could go and leave this building today and go do it right now. 
and you're waiting and you're putting it off. The question is, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? What is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about it? If he's saying something to you, he's giving you the strength to do something about it. And you should react and you should respond to the Spirit's promptings in your heart. Maybe for some of you that is to truly repent and believe in Christ. You haven't done that. You're not a Christian. You need to be. Even if you've used the name Christian for a long time. I was a Christian all my life and I wasn't a Christian my whole life until I became a Christian. It's, it's, it's the way our culture is. I was raised a Christian, confirmed, given a Bible with my name embossed on the front in gold. I was nowhere near Jesus. Maybe you need to trust Jesus today. Maybe in your circumstances, you need to stop thinking about your circumstances and start thinking about God. And God will take care of your circumstances. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You're trying to add things and you're missing his kingdom and his righteousness. He says seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Paul can go to prison and still have joy and still have fullness because God's right there with him. Let's live the same way. Stand with me for closing prayer. We have food. Am I right? Downstairs. We have lunch. Amen. Amen. Wayne, the only time he ever says amen in a sermon is when food is mentioned. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to pray not only to close our service, but take, take this. Make this a part of your conversation. You know what I mean? Make this a part of your lunch conversation. What is it, what is it we can do? How is it we can live? Where is it we're failing? Maybe confess that to somebody else. Here's, here's where I'm really struggling to trust that God is this good. And this trustworthy in the middle of my pain. Encourage each other. Pray for one another. Love each other. Serve each other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. For all that you've given us in the letter uh, to the Roman church. And, and the, the last couple of weeks here as we finish up uh, this book. God, we're thankful for it. We're thankful for how you speak to us by your spirit. We're thankful, God, for how you love us so deeply. For how you have... You've given us freedom in the middle of our circumstances, not from them. And God, that's, that's hard. That's, that's so hard. We want to live by sight, not by faith. And so we pray that you would give us supernatural insight now by your Spirit's power to know how to live this way. We do love you, God. And where we fail to love you, help us to love you more because of how much you love us. We're thankful for this opportunity to fellowship together and have this meal together. We're, we give you thanks, God, for your provision for us. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.